welcome to Connected, episode 359. It is made possible this week by our sponsors, FitBod, Memberful, and Hover. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Happy birthday. Yes, it is Relay's anniversary. Mm-hmm. We will get to that, but happy birthday is to you, too. Is it a birthday or an anniversary? We have talked about this a lot. I think we settled on, on birthday because it was fun. Yeah, birthday is a fun, is a more fun uh, thing than anniversary. But yeah, happy anniversary! What is birthday. the seventh anniversary gift? Uh, I don't know. It's probably like aluminum. Let's seventh see. Birthday gift. This is the worst. It's just giving me gifts for seven year olds. Google sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it is lollipops, <laughs> based on what Google's <laughs> yeah. telling me, and uh, Thomas the Train stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, we are also joined, of course, back from a week away, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. It's good to be back. Thank you for Greetings. having me again. I thought I was fired from the show, but no. no. I still have my keys to the Google document, so. Mm-hmm. That's right. Copper and wool are the answers, by the way. Okay, interesting. You know, I have a, I have a thing that it's one of those, one of those things that I think Mike will love slash hate. Mm-hmm. Well, no, hate is a strong word, but one of the things that he doesn't like. You know how sometimes on Twitter you see those tweets from Apple employees when they come back to the office and they tweet, badge still works. Mm. Have you ever seen those tweets? Yeah. 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 It's I'm like okay a, with that know. one. Oh, I'm you're okay, okay with, with that, that one? one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that's not widely used enough, I feel like. So if you, if you mm. don't know why this is an issue for me, uh, Mike Hurley hates platitudes. That's a, that's a thing that all my friends know. I don't like those kinds of often used phrases, and I try and stay away from them as much as I can. I don't know why I refuse to uh, refer to myself in third person. I apologize. Mm. Yeah, please don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, never do Mike that is again. sorry, and Mike regrets that. No, please, please don't do that again. <laughs> you're continuing to do it. Please stop. Um, but so you're saying that badge still works is okay. Fruit company not okay. For a company not okay. Okay. What? Or sometimes after keynotes, people are like, "Thanks to the engineers and their families." Like, who's thanking the badges? Thank yeah, the badges thanking for the badges for once. The, ba- <laughs> the badges are doing the hard work here. Yeah. You got slung around on a dude's belt and then Mm -hmm. smashed against a door? That sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fruit company. (laughs) Mm -mm. Okay, Okay, I just just wanted to make sure. Anyway, it's good to be back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. A little follow-up. Last week, Mike and I judged each other's docs, and we talked at length about how I had a little little folder to make the doc look nice with the Dropbox icon and the Downloads icon. Well, J.D. Davis pointed out on Twitter that you can just change it from display as stack to display as folder. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't see like little things peeking out behind it, but I think it's actually a cleaner look without that. This is one of those things where at the time when you were explaining explaining this last week, I didn't really understand what you were doing, uh, but I felt like I knew this. Like I, because I, I know that you. What I thought you were doing or talking about is a thing that I know that you do, which is you put stars next to folders that you want to be at the top of lists. That's that's right. And that's what I thought you were referring to last week. Not yeah. because you just want to have a little folder icon in your stack on the dock. Yeah, it was it was both, you know, ah. and uh, uh, you know, I just I want to. 
I just want to thank JD Davis for for fixing my dock. It's it's even a little bit nicer now. So thank you, you know while we're while we're talking about folders and lists and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I just have a complaint that I want to get out there into the world, which is about the Dropbox app. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's all you have to say. <laughs> that's Actually, it. I have one too. I, you have reminded me. So you do yours, and I'll do mine. Maybe it's the same one. Who knows? So the the official Dropbox app it has an alphabetical list that goes down the right hand side. Right, lots of apps have this. So if you have a long list of things, you can kind of like scroll that little list of your thumb on the side, and it will go through the alphabet. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see these all the time. It's in a scrubber. Yeah, 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 but it's just for for letters, right? Uh, for a long time now, the Dropbox app ignores folders in that scrubber. <laughs> So if I want to find a folder, I have to scrub to it manually because if I go down the letters on the right-hand side, it's just looking for files in any particular thing. So if I'm in my like main top-level directory in Dropbox, I have a few like files in there, just like in there that maybe I've just dropped in to send to somebody else, and it will just it only wants to scroll through those like four files throughout the entire alphabet and ignore the entire list of folders that's in there, which is. A very common thing in Dropbox is to have folders. Yeah, it's, I don't it's like, know why they think people only want to jump to their files and not the folders that they might have. Yeah, sucks. All right, so here is uh, here's my Dropbox complaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, Dropbox redid their branding. We all made fun of it because it's pretty bad. Oh yeah, that was bad. Still yeah. is. If you go to blog.dropbox.com, you can get a taste of this. All these different colors and weird typefaces. They have this whole color palette. Why can't I change their icon on my iPhone to use a different color palette? I'm stuck with the light blue folder on the dark blue background. Now the little box icon is smaller and not exactly centered. It's like a little off-center vertically. Mm -hmm. The icon has gone from bad to worse, but I would like to be able to customize the colors there. You Mm -hmm. have all these colors in your brand guide. Just let let me do it. I feel like I know what Federico's going to say next. Why do you have the Dropbox app? Just use files, man. Well, there is that, but I was going to say, well, I think Federico's going to say, do you know how I solved this? Not using Dropbox. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a, a file management hipster. I don't know if that's the case. It's just my assumption. So, Federico, would you like to add to the conversation? What I like about this is that you're all just saying things that I would likely say, and I'm yeah. just being quiet. Well, this is it. We're just try- we're trying to guess. What are you going to go but with? But honestly, I would say both things, actually. <laughs> we know you well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I ju- basically these days I just use Dropbox for... Um, to do the one thing that iCloud Drive is so is still so silly at, which is creating shareable links uh, for files that I want to share to that I want to send to other people. Yeah, you can do it with iCloud Drive, but it's, it's so complicated. I, I don't know. It takes like ten different clicks in the UI. Um, I don't use. I basically don't don't use Dropbox anymore, except for when I need to send. I need to send you guys mm-hmm. episodes for the shows which is, again, sharing a file. So I only use it for uploading my audio files and sharing the random text file or like a zip archive that I need to send to, to somebody. Um, otherwise, all of my stuff is in iCloud Drive or in Obsidian, which comes with its own syncing thing. Um, Sylvia uses Dropbox, so I still pay for like a premium account or whatever. Um, I don't know. I just really dislike how the Dropbox app has evolved, what it looks like. The branding is bad. 
this obsession for like making an, an OS for like uh, you know collaboration. No, like look, I just want to have folders and files and versions, and that was great. And then you started adding all of these features, and like every single time I open Dropbox, there's a different splash screen for something else. It's like you don't get it, do you? That I don't care about all these other things. So, I mean, I don't have a really look. This may uh, this may sound like a really strong opinion, but the thing is, I don't really have a strong opinion about it. Right. I keep paying for it, and eventually I will stop. So, but for now, it's fine. I don't love it though. Can tell. Our appeal to the country, the nation of Luxembourg was successful. Mm -hmm. Kenta underscore Lux on Twitter. As you can kind of tell from their name. You can tell they're really proud. (laughs) (laughs) I only just realized that now. You can tell. Lux is in the name. Uh, Says, here's greetings from a real regular listener from Luxembourg. I think it's not likely that I'm the one listener from here, though. Usually only lurking, but you sounded kind of desperate. Cheers, weird fish emoji. <laughs> I don't Which like the desperate perfect. part, but you know. No, I think it's amazing <laughs> because you guys did sound kind of desperate. <laughs> I just needed to prove it. I I was convinced and I was disappointed. We got another tweet from somebody who I didn't save. I apologize, but they uh, maybe I'll find it in a minute. Who was uh, another person who was in Luxembourg listening to an episode? Um, mm-hmm. but didn't actually live in Luxembourg at that time, even though they said they were born in Luxembourg. Hmm. Yeah, I th- we also had a note I saw of somebody who was born in Luxembourg, but now lives somewhere else. And so they're like, a, and they're a listener. So they're they're honorary, I guess. You got to be in Luxembourg to listen. I feel like we've, we potentially stumbled upon something fun for the show. And I think we're not we're not thinking big enough. That's Sean, by the way, who sent that in to me. Um, but carry on. I think we are. We should now embark on this quest to find connected listeners from the most fascinating places around the world. Okay. Like, for example, do we know if we have listeners, I don't know, in Andorra, for example, which I believe should be, what, the smallest country in Europe, right? Now, that could be challenging, right, to have connected listeners based in Andorra. Uh, or, I don't know connected listeners in i don't know somewhere in polynesia uh, is that possible i don't know right well, i'm currently logging into our hosting platform again uh and i've typed the letters a and d into the downloads by country search list and currently it's just spinning so uh, i'm not feeling great about andorra federico andorra mm. i'm afraid i well, think i've broken their entire system trying to do this Okay, I'm sorry, but I think we should now be on we, we we should now be on the lookout for listeners from I don't want to say the strangest places, right? Because a place is not strange. I mean, it may st- be strange to us, but it's not strange to the people who live there, mm-hmm. right? But from places that you don't usually hear from, right? Right. Which makes you appreciate the fact that we have a business well, on the internet. Well, how about this then? Here's a here's a thing that we can do here because I think I'm I think I'm settling on where you're going. Connected listeners, if you think yes that you are from a strange yes. place. Yes. Or an unlikely place that there will be other listeners from. Yes, yes. That that, that second right? part is perfect. Yes. You should contact us. 
Yeah. And the we can maybe do this over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can find out how rare they are based on our audience <laughs> statistics. Matt in the Discord says, I'm from Mississippi, does that count? Uh, maybe, we'll find out <laughs> later on, right? We'll find out. So if you think you're from a peculiar place uh, f- or an un, uh, unlikely place for a connected listener to be from, you should send a tweet to us. What is our account? Underscore connected FM, right? That's mm-hmm. the Twitter account. Send it to you. Could also include us in a tweet if you want to as well. Probably best if you include us all in the tweet. To be honest, uh, let us know, and uh, maybe we'll see how this goes over the next couple of weeks. And the person who is the least uh, from the place with the least amount of listeners will get a prize of some description. Yes, we'll do something. I mm-hmm. don't know, but we'll do something. Yeah. So there you go. If you if you think we <laughs> we will change we will change the the colors of the artwork of the show for that episode to your country's flag or something. Oh, that's, that's a good, good one. That's a <laughs> that good is one. good. That <laughs> is good. Or, or we'll add, uh, just for one episode, the fourth line to the globe that, that goes over your country. <laughs> that's good too. <laughs> but I still want to be able to try and award that person with something, but we'll work that out later. Mm. But what we will definitely do with potential exception, is change the, the flag uh, <laughs> of the show uh, to yours. All right. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, should we take a break and then get into some exciting news? Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay. This episode of Connected is brought to you by FitBod. FitBod is the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan that actually fits you. When it comes to fitness, FitBod believes everyone can be better. Whether you're working out three days a week or twice a day like our friend Federico probably does, FitBod's algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your previous workout so that your next workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last. FitBod has been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers to bring the best practice of strength training to you. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I like just go on YouTube and try to find an exercise. Like, No, that's not what what FitBot is doing. FitBot is building a workout program tailored to your needs exactly, making it perfectly suited to your unique body, experience, environment, and goals. It can be hard to know exactly how much you should be doing while exercising, but FitBot figures that out so you don't have to worry about under or over training. It'll mix up muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time to keep you on top form. While making sure you stay on a path that's right for you, helping you take steps towards becoming a better version of yourself. If you're working out at home right now, like a lot of us are, FitBod has a bunch of bodyweight-only workouts. These are great for indoors or outdoors. But if you do have access to a gym or you have some equipment at home, you can tell the app what you have available to you, and it will make that a parameter in making your workout plan. So it, it knows exactly what you have available and lets you get the most out of it. FitBot is there to help you with any exercise routine you need. I've really found FitBot to be an excellent companion in working out at home. I've got some equipment, but not a ton. I could enter that, and it mixes up the workouts and helps keep me on track. FitBot is available on iOS and Android, and you can get started right now by going to fitbot.me connected, and you'll also get 25% off your membership. That's FitBod, F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash connected to try out FitBod for free 
and get 25% off a FitBod membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of Connected and Relay FM. Uh, guys, I just uh, I just realized something terrible. What? What? If we have a listener from a strange place and a listener from another strange place, how do we pick winners? We well, need, we need rules. The, the best way to no, 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 no. The easy way to pick it is I just I look in our hosting platform and just see the fewest amount of listeners. But let's say that we have the same listeners from two places. We know how to fix this. We just coin flip it. No, I say we establish a rule uh-huh. where we pick the country with the smallest population. Right. Okay. Yeah, we do it by percentage. That makes sense. Yeah. If we get if we get like that kind of thing, do we want to do that in general? Or no, I think so. or d- that might solve itself. I think. To yeah, be I think honest. we'll just see what sort of things come in, and we can kind of figure out what yeah. the best route will be. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, don't worry, there'll be established rules. Okay, don't worry. Okay. If we can do something okay. around here, it's it's rules. <laughs> exactly. I just wanted to make sure that w- we think about this. Okay, there may come the time where we need to. Uh, Make rules just for this silly thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So today is August 18th. That is Relay's birthday slash anniversary. We've been around for seven years since we initially launched, which, whoo, seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a and a that you should check out. It's oh, on yeah. the departures feed. Mm-hmm. So go listen to that, Relay FM slash departures slash five. It is five, yeah. So go check that out. Mike and I did a Q&A. In the past, we've done it unconnected, but we did it over there. Uh, but what we want to announce today is the third annual Relay FM for St. Jude campaign. There's a link in the show notes, and you can go and donate now. Uh, the donation window has opened. We're going to be running this campaign to the end of September. September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. Uh, but we're getting things started today, and Mike, we've got a couple of fun things coming up. Yeah, so maybe a few things to note. So our goal uh, is $333,333.33, because it is the third one. Uh, we have our third annual podcast-a-thon Woo! for St. Jude yes. coming on September 17th. We are starting this year earlier than ever before at noon Eastern time, and we'll be running for a record eight hours, baby. Get in and enjoy. Twitch.tv slash RelayFM. We will be uh, with many wonderful uh, guests and uh, many people you know, maybe some people you don't, doing tons of fun things uh, for a full eight hours this year. So we're really putting it to the test, and that is going to be yes. on the 17th of September. Uh, I, I have a countdown widget, a Widget Smith countdown widget uh, on my iPhone, and I was horrified today uh, when it ticked to uh, less than a month. So <laughs> We have a lot of excellent stuff planned for the podcast-a-thon. Uh, it's going to be a lot more zany. Is that the word we should use? Yeah. Wacky. Zany. It's going to be different. In good ways. We're planning a lot of very strange and fun things. I think maybe one of the biggest themes of the podcast-a-thon this year, and actually most of the campaign, is just general bad times for me and Steven. I think is maybe the best way to think about it. There's a lot of stuff going on that is... uh, 
uncomfortable for us. Uncomfortable for us, yeah. Starting with, (laughs) uh, for every $500 raised throughout the campaign, we need to put a sticker on something. You may have seen us do this before. We've done stickers. We've done googly eyes. This year, for every $500 raised, uh, I need to affix a sticker of Stephen's face to something. And he needs to affix a sticker of my face to something of his. Uh, I started today because we've raised a bit of money so far. And uh, I now am going to be... So I, my my studio is constantly in a state of not complete. But the one place that I do feel is pretty complete is my recording desk. It's the thing that aesthetically I like the most. It is what I am going to be covering Stephen's face in to destroy that those aesthetics. Um, yes. So Stephen's face will be, like, I don't know, just like <laughs> creeping up from the corner of my desk uh, <laughs> from now until the end of September. So, yes, this is a, a theme of the whole fundraising thing. Is uh, As Kate said, you're going to be ruining it. Yes, this is the point, because I think people like to see the two of us get into situations that are amusing, mm-hmm. and this is one of them. So I'll put, we'll put some links in the show notes. Stephen is adding uh, stickers of me to, what is that? It's the edge of my like IKEA bookcase thing in my office. And last year we put googly eyes on it. There were more googly eyes, but they kept falling off throughout the year and at some point I just stopped replacing them. So the top like section is googly eyes and the next section down will be pictures of you. So it's it's very upsetting to walk by this piece of furniture. Mhm. So every time 500 this isn't, isn't an individual dollar thing. Like an individual donation thing, I should say. It's just every time we pass another $500 raised, another sticker goes on. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've done some calculations and we're ready for a terrible time, uh, potentially. Yep. Like if we start, if we meet our goals and stuff, uh, I guess there's like, I'll cover my monitor stand. It's just going to get, <laughs> it's going to get real messy around here, would be my expectation. Yeah. With me, always With watching you. you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really creepy. Work, it's really yeah. uh, it's nice. It's really creepy already. I just want to say I'm really happy to hear this. First thing, second thing, I would love to help out more because I feel like it's a beautiful initiative, and I've always kind of regretted not being able to help out more. Third thing, if I understand this correctly, the theme is stuff that makes you uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have some fun ideas. That are run by you. Okay, I love the sound. And of especially it. one <laughs> that okay. could be just the thing. Well, Federico, here's one thing. I can tell you one way you can help out more. Like anybody can. You can go to stjude.org slash relay and give us your cash. Mm-hmm. Give us the money. Come on, stjude.org slash relay. Go there right now and donate. This money goes to just an absolutely incredible cause. You've heard us talk about St. Jude before. Uh, one of the main reasons that we picked this charity is because Stephen has such a personal connection to it to the point that now we all do. And St. Jude is an incredible place and it does incredible things that, again, you'll be hearing about from us uh, over the coming weeks. Talking about stickers again, though, we're doing something new this year that we haven't done before. Anybody who donates $100 or more will be able to redeem a sticker pack of their very own so you can find it on the fundraising page. You click the rewards button. You can see it. You will be able to get one of your own Mike and Steven sticker heads, <laughs> which is fun for you, I suppose, in case, I don't know, 
And I guess maybe if you donated a lot of money, maybe you could cover <laughs> your own desk uh, in one of these. You'll also get two uh, stickers for the campaign itself, one at the Relay logo with the gold that we change um, a lot of our artwork to over the podcast-a-thon season. And also, uh, you're going to see a cartoon character uh, called the Fever Fighter appearing in a lot of our campaign work this year. This was uh, artwork created by St. Jude patient Ethan. And so you're going to see the Fever Fighter pop up in a bunch of places. It's a great little superhero uh, that can think about helping make kids feel better. I love I love Fever, fever Fighter guy. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Very good. Yeah, I, I put the sticker reward artwork in the Discord. And if you go to the page, you can see it there as well. Yep. Uh, five slash relay. Yep. Go uh, go donate. Can, can I sit, talk about St. Jude for a second? I would love you to. I would like to do that. Uh, so St. Jude has been around for almost 60 years. It's here in Memphis. But they treat children from all over the world. And they've been on the front lines of not only care, but also research and treatment uh, for childhood cancer. So they do a lot of research. That research gets shared around the world. Treatments invented at St. Jude, thanks to this research, have pushed the overall cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80% since opening. Uh, But that's still one in five children not surviving. So St. Jude is not going to stop until... No child dies of cancer. And there's a lot of kids in this boat every year. It's estimated that more than 400,000 children worldwide develop cancer each year, with nearly half of them never being diagnosed. So St. Jude is doing some amazing work uh, in this field, around the world. It just happens to be in my backyard. This is not a Memphis thing. It's not a Tennessee thing. This is a worldwide effort. And so you can join that effort. Join us in this effort at stjude.org slash relay. Go do it. We're going to be talking about it a lot, but it's a fantastic cause that everybody should give some money to. Yes. And uh, mark Friday, September 17th, 12 to 8 p.m. Eastern on yep. your calendar. You can go to twitch.tv slash RelayFM and follow the account right now, and it will also help you be notified uh, when we go live. And we're going to be doing as well a bunch of other streams and stuff throughout the uh, course of the campaign. Um, so we've got some little milestones on the site right now, but we'll be talking about those as well. So me and Stephen will be doing some extra fundraising streams uh, throughout the month. Hey, Joe! Joe, go donate to St. Jude! There you go. If Joe, if Joe can do it, anyone can. Yeah, Joe's my imaginary neighbor. Should we get into some tech stuff? Yeah. So we have seen iOS 15 beta... Six And of course, the question every time there's an iOS 15 beta, what's going on with Safari? So Federico, what's going on with Safari? Hmm. Well, what's going on is that they finally listened and uh, they gave me everything I wanted would be my description of it. So in iOS 15 beta 6, there's a couple major changes. First one, the bottom top bar design has been changed. So Apple added a second toolbar to the bottom of the screen. So when you're using the new design with the address bar at the bottom, the address bar is no longer the only element displayed at the bottom of the screen. Now the all the buttons that had been previously crammed into the address bar 
are, have been split up again into a secondary toolbar, just like Safari used to be, just like we've been arguing for the past few weeks. So those buttons would be navigation, so uh, back, and for, uh, back and forward, um, share, bookmarks, and tabs. All of those buttons are now in a toolbar just above the home indicator on the iPhone. And then you see the address bar above that. This is very similar to a design concept by Vidit Bargava, the developer and designer of Lookup, that we mentioned on the show a few weeks ago. And we said, yes, <laughs> Apple, please do this. And they pretty much did that. It's, it's pretty much that design where you have a toolbar that has all the controls you're familiar with at the bottom and the address bar still toward the bottom of the screen, still easy to access with your thumb, especially if you have a big phone, but it's being freed of the responsibility to handle all those controls. So in the address bar now, you only see a button on the left which is the sort of the everything else button. This will be the AA button for website settings. And there's also an extension icon. It looks like two buttons. It's actually just one touch target. So when you open that button, you see a long menu that contains a, van a bunch of options, including website settings, the privacy report, Safari reader, and your extensions. And then you have a refresh button on the right side of the address bar. You can still long press the address bar, but now you only see three shortcuts if you long press the address bar. Copy, voice search, which is a, an interesting one. I'm not sure how many people are gonna voice search, but it's here. And move to tab group. Everything else is still available. You can still swipe between tabs by swiping across the address bar. You can still, you still have the grid view for your open tabs and you still have your tab groups and your colored toolbar if you want to. But then there's a second big change in beta 6, which would be an option to put the address bar back at the top of the screen. You can do this in two places. You can do this in the menu that I just mentioned. It's the very first option. It's called show top address bar, or you can change this in settings. If you go to settings, Safari, you now have the choice of reverting to the old design, essentially, where you have an address bar at the top and the toolbar at the bottom. It looks just like the old Safari with some new animations for the toolbar. And um, if you do that, uh, there's a few elements that change. For example, uh, if you use the new design with the address bar at the bottom, when you tap the bookmarks button, now you see this nice half sheet sort of presentation style that is new in iOS 15. And also, fun fact, this style was in Vidit's concept. Like, it's exactly like a one-to-one -one match. Uh, but if you choose to use the, the top address bar and you open the bookmarks view, uh, it's a full screen view as it was in iOS 14. So there's some few differences between the two designs. But overall, I think we got everything we wanted. So we got an option to choose between old and new. And for the new design, we got a better one that understands, like, I think it's a, it's a much better compromise of the vision for having controls at the bottom of the screen without, you know, the usability concerns of we just got to have a single toolbar at the bottom of the screen. Now you have two of them. And I understand that 
some people on Twitter and Reddit, they are upset. Some um, minimalism purists appear to be concerned that Apple listened to the blue check marks, as they call them on Twitter. Um, I think it just sh goes on to show how useful the beta and public beta process can be for Apple. To be able to gather feedback, listen, and iterate beta by beta, you know, on, on design. And it's, uh, you know, if there ever was a need for, uh, to make a, you know, a case for why does the beta process exist, Safari in iOS 15 this summer is your perfect example. This is why you have the beta. This is why you have the public beta. Um, I think they have finally landed in a place where, at least for me, the new design clicked in like five seconds. Like I saw that and it tapped it around like a couple of seconds. I was like, yeah, this is it. Like this works for me now. Um, I'm very happy. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Well, first I want to ask, uh, I want to get a sense from us. Will we be top bar people or bottom bar people? Bottom. At this point, bottom. Yeah. Stephen? I think bottom. bottom. Yeah, I think bottom too. Because this, I think we were talking about this at the time. The idea was a good one, right? Yep. Bringing all of the UI down to the bottom makes a lot of sense. But the implementation maybe went a little too far all at once. Um, yeah. I do find this whole thing to just be very sad. Like I think I said about this before, like this whole thing just seems like such a waste of people's time. Yeah. And, you know, and I just find it all just to be very like, I don't really understand what the point was after all of this mm. to just be like, oh, well, you can basically make it uh, just the same as Odd Safari. And I've also said this before, like I actually don't like preferences for things like this. I kind of feel like mm. just make a decision, you know, or just don't do it, right? Like, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago when they started changing the thing on the iPad and the Mac, right? For like whether the tabs are, I've forgotten, I just forgotten about the fact that the tabs used to be integrated with the URL bar. I forgot about yeah. that mess. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like if you're adding, if you, if you change, if you change something, then change it back, then make a setting to change it back to the way that you changed it back from. What's well, the point? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, some of that stuff is is even more noticeable on the iPad and Mac, where you can go back to the compact view. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that makes me a little nervous about moving the tab bar to the bottom is that I have to see the really bad extensions icon all the time. That little puzzle piece, like, why do we have to see that? If at least it's at the top of my giant phone, maybe it won't be in my face all the time. I feel oh. like I haven't seen this icon know. yet. Why do you hate puzzle pieces? Steven. It's just a bad puzzle piece. Like use a so good another, puzzle piece. So another puzzle piece would be fine, but just not so. this one. Okay. Just not that one. I haven't seen this, one. this okay. puzzle piece. Where's the puzzle well, it's piece? It's because you're not it, you're not cool enough to have extensions installed. Uh, yeah. Well, I also again I wanted to state this. Uh, somebody pointed this out on Twitter, and they were completely right. Uh, my plan worked. They I have not I had, I'd never put uh, iOS 15 on my iPhone, so I never had to deal with any of this. Yeah, so, but where, where's the fun in that? Where's the drama in it? You know, it didn't really seem like you were having a lot of fun, Federico. Not gonna lie, it seemed like know, you were kinda, very stressed out about it. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of enjoy being a dramatic person from time to time. Yeah. You know, oh, this is a tragedy. It's all going, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> terribly. <laughs> to use uh, an expression as, for the as show, as um, in the Discord is know, saying, "Where's the passion?" Exactly. 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 Now I can bask in the full glory of getting what I wanted. So. Um, uh, but honestly, I think you you asked a really good question. Like, what was the point of all this? And I think 
if anything, there's a this is a like a you know that fancy what's it called Apple University the thing that Apple has internally. Yes. If anything, this makes for a good lesson. This this makes for a good case study on how to deal with redesigns in a very popular application that you ship to millions of people. How to deal with it and how can the beta process and engaging with the press and engaging with users, how can that help in the future? So if anything, this will be useful to Apple internally. Now, mm-hmm. I would love to know how certain debates and discussions went down, right? I, it would be genuinely fascinating to be able to to you know to 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 be sort of like the documentary person you know shooting all of these meetings internally at Apple and seeing like how do you deal with this like you have so many people on Twitter Reddit podcasts blog posts complaining about the design you're so proud of and how do you walk it back if so or how do you tweak it how do you reach a compromise so if anything from a design perspective I think it's it's a fascinating story. Um, from a user's perspective, yeah, it's probably all of this was probably useless, right? We got upset, we complained about it, we, we talked about it on many episodes of the show, and now it's all useless. But was it useless, though? Was it really? And it goes back to the passion and the drama. I think it was a very fascinating process to observe. Mm-hmm. Um, I am glad that I didn't write anything for my review. I am very happy about that because now I can approach Safari with the excitement of having a new option, right? Having a new setting to choose from, which is the the bottom toolbar. And uh, this is also a lesson for me. Like at this point, I've been, doing, I've been doing these reviews long enough that I have a pretty good sense of which features will find their way to the initial release. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And which will not. But this like was, you know, one week after WWDC, it was obvious enough that this was gonna change, right? Mm-hmm. And also a pretty good telling sign was when they added the preference. I believe it was Monterey Beta 2 to change the design to the old one with the terminal command. And I tweeted about it, how usually when you have a terminal command to change the design, usually that's your sign that things are going to change and right on schedule, you know, mm-hmm. it, it happened once again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm very happy with, with this design right now. I honestly, sure, the shade of the white color of the address bar could, <laughs> could be slightly different. You know, there's all kinds of people in my mentions saying, oh my God, it's so ugly. The, the, the white color, sure. But the key, the, the, like the no core. I have no idea what, what, what people are talking about. What's wrong with I don't that? Know. Look, honestly, I don't know either. I don't know either what okay. they want. I just know that this design works. I think it's a good one. And I'm really happy we got to this place. I do hope that they do revisit some of the stuff on the iPad and the Mac, and particularly the tab design. It just has like sunken in round wrecks, and it looks really bad, especially if you only have one tab open, and it's still in between the location bar and the bookmarks bar. So like, yeah, this is fantastic, and now the iPhone version of Safari is not a travesty, but they still have some more work to do, in my opinion. Yeah, the iPhone needed the effort, though, like 
I'm fine. I I quite like Safari on the iPad by and large. Like it's, it needs tweaks. It's not perfect, but you know, I think we were talking about this. The iPhone clearly needed a lot of work or a lot of work to revert, mm-hmm. and they put the effort in there. So a bunch of stuff, bunch of stuffs, not making it into uh, the first version of iOS mm-hmm. 15. I think this is being reported on weirdly. I think some people think it means that these things aren't coming to iOS 15 at all. I don't think that's what it means. Uh, maybe some of them won't, um, but I want to give you a list of stuff I got from 9to5Mac. SharePlay, which is yes. arguably the biggest feature of iOS 15, I think. Like, new thing that they introduced. It's not coming. ID cards in uh, the Apple Wallet app, so you can put your driving license in there or whatever. The app privacy report. So that remember we had that one for Safari. That's not then we make one for apps. Custom domains for iCloud email. Uh, third, a three D navigation in CarPlay. The legacy contacts information. This is uh, who can have your iCloud account when you die. And yes. it seems potentially universal control will not be making it because universal control <laughs> has yet to appear, no, uh, which is not good. It's nowhere in Monterey at this mm-hmm. point, like uh-huh. not even in a preference pane that doesn't so, work. It's a great sign. Uh-oh. So what's in 15? <laughs> like, I mean, it, it is, that's a bunch of the big stuff. And Apple Focus could... modes? <laughs> yeah. No, look, look, honestly, the best features of iOS and iPadOS 15, I can tell you what they are. Please. Quick note. Reminders and smart lists. Focus. New shortcuts actions. That's all you need. I, I, that's the really, review. Review's done. That's, uh, that's the review. I'm done. Goodbye, everyone. See you next year. See you. No. Um, well, so SharePlay, right? I want to talk about SharePlay for a minute. I think it's funny that the gimmicky feature of the year has been delayed to later. Uh especially because Apple made a big deal out of it at WWDC. I'd be keen to know why this is the case. Is it because it really needs more time, technically speaking? Is it because adoption from big companies hasn't been where Apple was hoping it would be? I think it's right? that one. Mm-hmm. I think nobody's um, doing it. And if nobody's doing it, what's the point in having it? Yeah. So... And I kind of, like, I wrote the introduction of my iOS review back in June. Um, and one of the things that I wrote was, I don't fully understand what, what the point of SharePlay is if all countries are more or less reopening, right? And we're seeing each other again. And vaccinations are well on their way. And sure, there will continue to be legitimate use cases for SharePlay. And, you know, people who you know, relatives who don't live near each other. Um, I understand that. But to make a big deal out of that, and it always seemed quite strange as a functionality, especially because it requires an active FaceTime call. So I, look, I really don't get the point of SharePlay myself. I think it's a gimmicky feature. I think it'll go the way of iMessage apps. But at the very least... Apple believed in iMessage apps enough to roll those out in September with iOS 10. And SharePlay, look, it was not easily discoverable enough as it was. But you had a pretty good chance of, you know, raising awareness if it was launching out inside iOS 15. Now I really struggle to imagine who's going to care about it if they roll it out in 15.1 or 15.2. 
I think so. the, the feature is really harmed by the fact that it has to have an active FaceTime call. I think that more interesting things could have been done with this technology if FaceTime wasn't a prerequisite of its use. Yeah. Like then it could be, you could do a lot of like really interesting things like gaming experiences and stuff like that. I think the requirement to have an active FaceTime call uh, is really one of the things that makes this feature not as good as it could be otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, it's... I mean, how many, how many games have you played in iMessage? Oh, I mean, me and Steven <laughs> used to play one for a while and I used to beat him all the time so we stopped playing. <laughs> you never beat that. me at the iMessage pool and we played a lot of games. You never beat yeah, me. Yeah, you destroyed me You used to time. beat me at Battleship, but not at that. Yeah. We haven't played that in a while, probably because of that reason, but I used to enjoy that. Me and Stephen may have been the only people ever doing that. Maybe. For a long time. Remember, I just remember all those demos. It was like, pick out what you want on your ice cream or like pick a time <laughs> to meet at the movie theater. It's like, no one's doing oh, this. Oh, man. I spent so much time. But that's, see, this is the thing about learning your lesson. I spent so much time back in the iOS 10 days reading about the deep and open framework on yeah, my message. And uh, now I learned my lesson. Now I can uh, now I can spot a gimmick when I see one, right? And uh, and, and that's what I believe SharePlay is. And honestly, the, 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 I'm bummed about screen sharing, not launching alongside uh, iOS 15. That's part of it, huh? That's yeah. part of it, right? That so sucks. that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. But uh, for everything else, I mean, honestly, I'm quite happy because it means... I don't have to write that whole thing for my review. So iOS 15, is it boring? That's a good question. I think it feels, I have this this expression somewhere in my review. It's also here in the notes. It kind of feels like a DLC to iOS 14, right? It kind of feels like that. It's an expansion to iOS 14. Um, which totally makes sense, right? Because like the pandemic happened for everyone. Um, Including Apple, obviously. Uh-huh. But what what we have here is the same the the same home screen from the iPhone now available on the iPad, right? You have the widgets uh-huh. that don't have any new features, but you know they they're not interactive, but you can place them on the home screen. Uh, some updates to to consumer apps. So you have some updates to, to Safari and you have updates to Notes and you have the new maps and you have reminders, right? Which is surprisingly power user uh, oriented now. I mean, you can do all kinds of filters in reminders of all apps, which is kind of incredible. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, live text, arguably the most popular feature. I forgot about this before. I think live text. Oh yeah, live camera. text is live text is the is I think the big one. I think it's great. I think I think th- so. I honestly think that focus and live text will be the two big features right yep. now. Um, be- just because I think they are the kind of features that can resonate with a lot of people in just a couple of seconds if you explain it to them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you can make a custom do not disturb, and you can capture text with the camera. Or from a photo. And like, yeah, that's incredible. So those are the two. But iOS 15 looking more and more like iOS 12 or iOS 10, if you ask me. Which is great. I mean, honestly, thank you for doing that. Um, But maybe I could see like a much bigger update next year at this point. But look, I'm super happy that it's it's a smaller thing. And Safari got fixed. 
and Safari, Safari got, got fixed. fixed. So I mean, it's, you know, I'm 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 getting it all. I'm I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, it's all coming up, Federico. Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is brought to you by our good friends over at Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience, used by the biggest creators on the web. Generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. We use Memberful to power our membership program here at Relay FM. It has meant that doing what we love can continue, and the business is more stable because of it through these wacky 18 months we've been living in. It has been just an incredibly great system for this. We can customize tons of stuff. We can host podcasts, host downloads, send newsletters, all the tools we need for membership management and content. Memberful gives us and really easy to use tools. So maybe your business's financial situation changed in the past year, and now you need a proven solution that's quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and grow. Memberful handles the hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best while earning revenue quickly while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to the audience, brand, and your membership. It has, and it has everything you need to run a membership program. Optimized checkout, Apple Pay support, easy management for members, dashboard analytics, free trials, gift subscriptions, and more. Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools you already use, including lots of fully managed integrations with the most popular services like WordPress, MailChimp, Discord, and more. Get started for free at memberful.com slash connected. There's no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash connected. Go there now to check it out and see what it could do for your business. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of the show and Relay FM. Federico got so mad with Safari that he decided he needed to use the Samsung web browser going forward. <laughs> Exclusively only Samsung web browser. Yeah, that's how uh, that's how it went. Yep, Samsung um, web browser, not Chrome, nothing. Samsung, all the way. The, the Sam the Samsung one, the pre-installed one. Yeah, um, yeah. So as you may have seen on Twitter, I have right here with me a Samsung Galaxy. No, it's not called the Galaxy. It's Z Fold Three. Mm-hmm. So this is the the new big folding phone that Samsung makes. Um, and yeah, uh, now this may seem surprising, right? Um, but Federico has this thing, and we can talk about it now before review embargo, because oh, yeah. somehow Federico got his really early. He ordered like a regular human being. Like The review embargo for this product is not available. If you wanted to make a review and put it on YouTube, Federico, you would get millions of views, just FYI. Oh, should I? I mean, it's up I mean, to you if you got the time. Especially if it makes a hissing noise. Ayo, my iPad's doing yeah, I mean, that, by the way. It's very scary. Oh no. mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, my Still? iPad's hissing at me. I noticed it yesterday. It's very upsetting. Hmm. I think it's upset because you're not you're using a Mac now. It's like, <laughs> you're like, a cat, it's like, like an angry boo, cat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So why did you buy a Gal? Uh, I'm doing it now. A Samsung Z Fold Three. Why did you do that? Um. I think it's important for me to keep my to keep my opinions fresh, to to stay informed, to try new stuff, to know what I'm to know what I'm talking about when I say I prefer iOS to Android or just because I think well really two main sort of ideas that I think about. One, I don't wanna grow into this kind of old Apple commentator. You see them, right? And the kinds of people that don't change their mind 
Um, there was a great line from a TV show, I think, that I watched recently with Sylvia called The Bold Type, right? On Netflix, highly recommended. And, and the editor-in-chief of this magazine, um, played, by the way, by... Uh, I'm totally going off on a tangent here. Mm-hmm. Melora Hardin, she, she played... Um, Jan. Thank you on the office. Um, I got an office said, podcast, office rewatch podcast, son. I'm on this. She mm. said something along the lines of, "You're only as young as the last time you changed your mind," oh, and that's that good. that's a very good line, and it really encapsulates how I think about these things. I don't want to grow into someone who writes about Apple for a living and only believes sort of the you know kind of like the Apple dogma of. Things must be done a certain way. Everything else is stupid. And so that's the first idea. And the second one is, I feel like at this point, um, iOS and Android, they sort of uh, liberally copy and influence each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you see this with camera features. You see this with portrait video, which Samsung did a while back, and Apple is going to do that this year. And you see this with Android copying features from iOS uh, and vice versa. So I think it's fine that this is happening because these platforms are so mature at this point. What's, even, what's more interesting, what's more fascinating to me is the differences between them, is the, the implementation differences, the design differences. And so I think it's important to, keep, to, to, to stay informed, to, to, to check out other platforms it just, I think it makes me a better writer and it makes me, you know, better at my job, honestly, to, to know about this stuff. Uh, and I do this every once in a while. I like to try different apps. I like to try different systems. I like to try different devices. I wish more people did that. I think it, I think it makes us better tech, I don't know, experts, if you want to use that term, writers, creators, whatever, right? I think opening your mind to different things it makes you a better person in general so anyway the fold um what do you want to know about it well i want to know what you think it's a very interesting product yeah i mean it's 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 really interesting to me because a couple of years ago when i wanted to talk about mine neither of you cared or gave me the time of day back in october of 2019 but i'm a nice friend and i am genuinely very interested and uh, and what you're doing with this? Why do you have it? What do you think of it? What are your first impressions? Mm. All that kind of stuff. That's what I want to know. So my first impression is that, like, when you get the phone, at least I could tell almost immediately that yes, the folding idea is a really good one. This is the future. This is not quite it at the moment. Mm-hmm. It still feels like it's like a like a like a public test for something more mature and more refined to be down the road. But the underlying idea of you have a small screen that becomes a bigger screen, I think it's ultimately a winning one. I'm in love with the idea of it's a phone that becomes a mini tablet if you need it to be, Mm -hmm. or becomes an even bigger phone. I think the quality of the idea itself is there. Now, the execution is... Not quite there yet, obviously, because, I mean, sure, the, the build quality is great, I think. It's a premium device. It feels very good in the hand. Um, and they are getting significantly better year over they year are. at the quality they that, that they have. It really is kind of incredible. Yes. 
they're using new, uh, like the, I read this article on The Verge on how they're using new, a new approach to sealing the device mm-hmm. for against water, but dust is still a bit of a problem, right? So Samsung came up with all these different techniques for um, sealing the device and make it waterproof, which is a big accomplishment for something that has a hinge and that open, opens and closes. Um, but especially when it's open, like it's, it's got this beautiful display, both on the outside and on the inside, 120 hertz refresh rate, I can tell you, it's incredible yeah. on a small mm. display. Yeah. It really does make a difference. Yeah, I, I was at a Samsung store a couple of days ago and they have the units there. And I was mostly personally interested in the Z Flip, the, uh, the, the more regular size phone that you fold in half, right? That's, that's my one. I've actually, I have ordered one of those. And uh, on that kind of screen size, just a regular screen size, it really feels incredible to scroll. It's so smooth and it feels so responsive. Like I know that people that use Android phones are like, LOL, we've been doing this for years. And like, there's a good reason that it's a feature that is deemed to be important by the rest of the industry. But just Apple hasn't made it work yet. Yeah. So Federico, when you're using this and thinking about it, do you think of it, is a tablet that folds in your pocket or a phone that just gets bigger when you want it to? The second one, I think. Um, I, I think it, it lends itself quite well to being a phone, even though the like the outer display is quite it's quite strange, right? It's it's this narrow and tall display um, that you know it, it it makes for a weird looking phone mm-hmm. but you can use it as a phone and that's the thing and you can use the cameras you can use you know you can take some pretty good pictures with it um this is the big um, difference between my original one and your third generation one is on the original fold the uh, outside screen was kind of like if you have to you can use it because it was way smaller. But over time, they have made it bigger and bigger and they've changed the way the phone is kind of shaped in such a way that it's effectively just like a regular phone on the front now, which is kind of incredible. Yeah, again, you have this narrow display which makes for a weird browsing experience. For example, browsing the web and you have these compact layouts for web pages, right? And you have this tiny home screen, but it's totally totally usable. It, it barely, I think it barely hits the threshold of, you know, is it usable as a phone, even though it's got this narrow display. And I think it, it is usable as a phone. Obviously, it would be preferable if it were wider, but then again, you're supposed to fold this thing, right? So I think of it as a phone that can get bigger if I want to. And that's sort of what fascinates me about this, which is you can use it to quickly check on things, right? Uh, but then if you want, you can take your task and put it on a much bigger uh, sort of display, and multitask with it. And that's really, to me, the, the fascinating aspect of this is it's a phone that can become something else that is approaching tablet territory. And you, now, I should say, I haven't spent enough time really digging into this over the past couple of days because we're so busy with the, with the upcoming Mac Stories launch. But um, the first thing you noticed, if you're someone like me, who hasn't used Android in a while and isn't as well-versed in the Android ecosystem as maybe in the iOS one. Multitasking is wild (laughs) on Android. (laughs) (laughs) And especially on the Fold. I don't know if it's Samsung adding their custom, like, touches to the 
to the UI, but oh my god, you can do all kinds of layouts. And it's like imagine the the think about the sort of the rigidity of of uh, multitasking on iPadOS and all of these limitations that Apple puts in place. And now think of the opposite of that for the Fold and Android. So you can pick up apps and you can put them anywhere. You can have like a split layout vertically, horizontally. You can put things in a corner. You can have two apps in the same split. So you can have like two, two small squares. Uh, you can put apps in a floating pop-up view. So in theory, you can put up to eight apps on screen at the same time plus one floating above them, which is like a little pop-up. Like I tried this yesterday and I had Google Chrome open on one side. On the other side, I, ha I had Apple Music for Android and Discord. So there were like three apps and then floating on top of them, I put the Play Store. So I was, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And, and you can grab the, the splitter in between the apps and freely resize the the window, and then it gets even even more wild because you can force like you can go into settings, and you can force every app to support multi window, even though the developers did not optimize for that layout. You can tell the system, I don't care, disregard what the developers thought of their application, and let me force it into that view, and you can do that. And now one of the new features of the Fold this year is you have this dock. I believe they call it the task bar or mm -hmm. the pin bar. Uh, anyway, it's like a dock where you can pin your favorite apps and you can swipe from the right edge of the screen to see this dock and you can grab apps from the dock, sort of like an iPad, and you can drag them anywhere on screen. Um, and I don't know, we talked a few minutes ago about Safari is on iOS is adding a preference. And Apple is usually, you know, that may appear strange because Apple is usually against preferences. But I feel like there's, there's a fundamental difference between what Apple is doing, which is adding a single preference, and what you see on Android when you try this stuff, which is, oh yeah, preferences? We have a grab bag full of those. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Go wild with the system. It's like there's a setting for everything, and then you can go to the Play Store and you can install modifications for the system, right? So Mike just told me a few minutes ago, you can install custom launchers. Mm -hmm. You can install like things that replace the, the system itself, the home yeah. screen itself. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, coming from iOS, when I see these people on Twitter saying, oh, Apple is adding a preference, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably fine, you know, when the competition has like 50 different options in settings, adding one for your browser is probably okay. Um, I, I honestly feel like you had loads or you had none. That's kind of like, the, you know, it's like I appreciate mm. what the companies on, that use Android do, like especially Samsung. They're just making it work, right? So there's going to be preferences for everything. And then you're used to that as the user, right? There's preferences for everything. I think Apple's uh, like allergy to preferences makes it more weird to me when they do add one. But this brings me to 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 my other point about trying to fold, and then I'm gonna have a, I have a couple more fold specific things to share. Mm -hmm. uh, but as an iOS person, it's all very 
daunting at first to understand Android and sort of this freedom that you have and all of this, like, all of these options that the system just gives to you without any warning, without any guidance. Is really this your on- first Android phone? No, but the last time I tried one was uh, four, five years ago. We talked about it on the show. So okay. it's been a while. All right. Um, yeah, but now but, you're in a foldable world, so it's yeah. even... And now it's a foldable one. So on the more fold-specific things, um, I really like how you can tr- you can start something on the small screen outside and you can take it inside. Yeah. Sort of like you can start it in phone mode and then you can say, oh, no, this needs more work. They call it app continuity is the name of the feature from yeah. Samsung. Yeah, it's a really good name, it's really nice. right? And, and you can say, okay, now I need to actually get more work done. And then you open it up, you fold it open, which is, by the way, a very satisfying thing to do. And honestly, it's just so cool, right? You're folding a computer and you're opening up the screen and you're taking the same task and you're making it bigger. And it's just so neat when you do that. Um, and so... I think that's super fascinating. The crease in the middle of the screen, you can see that from multiple viewing angles. It's kind of weird, and you can feel it with your finger in the where the screens fold, right? It's, I don't know, it's kind of weird and amusing at the same time because you can literally see this crease in the middle of the screen, and, and you can feel it with your fingers when you swipe across the display. Um, the Fold 3 as an under-the-display camera. I have so, so the, many questions about this. Yeah. In the, in the bigger... Uh, so in, when it's open, when you have the big screen open, they don't have a punch-hole camera anymore. They don't have a notch. They have an under-the-display sensor. It's weird, man. I can tell you that. It's, it's a weird thing. You see, it's like a bunch of small dots open in a corner of the right side of the display. And you can totally see that thing. It's actually, like, I I can't help but look at it, right? It's this collection of sensors, like these differently colored pixels under the display that are actually a camera. Now, it's pretty cool how, say, when you lock your device... And it's open, right? You're locking the device in, in tablet mode. And when you unlock it again, you can see the unlocking animation for um, face authentication. You see this white indicator scrolling around the under the display camera. And that's pretty neat. But face authentication for Samsung sucks compared to face ID. Like the accuracy just isn't there yet. Um, and same with Touch ID. The fingerprint sensor, not as accurate as Touch ID on, say, the iPad Air, for example. Which fingerprint have... sensor does it use? Is it under screen? No, it's a button on the side. Okay. Yeah, but it's not as good as the button on the, on the iPad Air, the 2020 iPad Air. Mm-hmm. I think that's a much better fingerprint button. Um, the selfie camera, the under-the-display one, you can totally notice it. It's kind of distracting. And it takes pretty horrible pictures. But Samsung does a bunch of things, sort of like smart processing to make those slightly better, like the adjust the exposure, the contrast, 
they do some sharpening, I believe. So they make it, they make those pictures look decent enough, but they're not really good selfies. Still, it's pretty cool that it's under the camera and you don't have a punch hole, you know, thing. You don't have a notch. It's a single display, but I think this is very early technology. So I guess this will get better. Right now, it's kind of distracting because it, you can see those pixels always there and the pictures are not that great, but it's pretty cool. Um, haptic feedback surprised me. Pretty good haptic feedback on this device. Like mm -hmm. you can, you know, and I, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm surprised, but I was under the impression that only Apple could do like decent haptic feedback with the Taptic engine on the phone. This is actually pretty good. You can feel the haptic feedback when you type on the keyboard. On Android, that's a thing. You can disable it if you want to. Um, but you can also feel it when you press the, like the multitasking buttons, for example. You know, a bunch of different UI elements. They play haptic feedback, which is nice. Um, and then, yeah, it all comes down to the multitasking. Um, one of the main issues at this point is that the Android ecosystem... Yeah, isn't really well optimized for folding devices. Like if I go to the Play Store, it doesn't tell me this application has been optimized for tablet mode and folding device mode for Samsung. So what I'm doing is I'm just Googling best apps for Z Fold and I'm coming across Reddit threads of other users recommending apps that take advantage of this form factor. Um, it seems to me like the way Samsung is trying to fix this is sort of brute forcing their approach, which is that feature that I mentioned of ignoring whether or not an application supports multi-window and just saying, let me put this app in this layout, even though the developer did not support it, right? So what I'm doing is I'm using these weird setups with a super small Apple Music window or a super small Discord um, <laughs> thing in the corner of the screen. Now, would I want to have this kind of much more complex multitasking on the iPad or on the iPhone? I think maybe not to this extent. Yeah, somewhere I don't think in the I'll, middle. Somewhere in the middle, though. I, I, think, I, I haven't tried this, and obviously working on iOS and iPadOS every day, I think there's maybe a bit more that Apple could do, like maybe three apps on the iPad, and I'm just going to say it. On the big iPhone, maybe split view would be fine at this point. Like one app on top of the other, maybe that would be oh, okay. For sure it would be fine. You know? you know, They should have done that a long time ago. And more broadly speaking, to sum up, I think the folding form factor is the future. I think once you try this idea, once you do this thing of it's a small screen, and then you open it and it becomes a bigger screen. It's not just that it's a cool gimmick. It's, I think it's genuinely useful, as f for even from a productivity standpoint of like, um, you know, I'm jotting down a quick reply in Gmail. And then I realized, oh, you know, I need to bring in some attachments. This is uncomfortable. Let me open the screen because I, I want to do a split view. That's honestly like a great feature to have. The main problems right now are, you know, it's a thick device, <laughs> it's a chunky device, and the Android ecosystem is kind of weird about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a lot of ways, they're pushing against the Android ecosystem in ways that no one else is. And 
and Samsung's done that for a long time, but with these foldable phones, it's really to a, a greater extent, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do find the multitasking differences super interesting. Uh, but one thing I hadn't considered that you mentioned is the the haptic feedback, because that's just non-existent on the iPad, right? It's, yeah. there, there's nothing. And so maybe that's one reason it jumps out to you as well, because you're kind of oh, have a tablet-y point. thing yes. that's, that's vibrating in your hand. And I, I wish it would come to the iPad. I think it makes maybe a little less sense now that Force 3D Touch Press is gone, but... I think this shows that you can use it to back up what's going on visually in the UI in a way that makes it easier to understand what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, yes, that's a very good point. And the last thing that sort of drives us into the next topic is this device makes me have a newfound appreciation for cross-platform apps because one of the things that I love about this is that you know what the first app I installed on this thing you know what it was Obsidian Hmm. and all my notes and all my plugins and all my custom things they just synced over to this device I didn't even know there was an Android uh... oh yeah it actually has more features than the iOS one. Well, I'm not surprised. Oh. It's easier. It's um, easier for them to. For, for, it's easier, I assume, for for the developers of Obsidian to add things to the Android version than the iOS version. Yeah. I would naturally assume. Yeah, and same with my task manager. You know, with Todoist, it's here. Discord, it's here. Twitter, same deal. So, I think one it's password. nice. Remember one password, <laughs> it's here. One, the second app I installed, one password, it's here. So, uh, yeah, I, I have some fun ideas. I'm pretty sure at this point I'm the only Obsidian user in the world with a Z Fold. So, yeah. I, 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 it's gotta be. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> well, again, the ni- you have the this niche. phone nearly two weeks sooner than you should have. This phone does not start shipping until August 27th. I do not know yeah. how you got it. Yeah, I don't know. I should do something about this, right? I think I should. I think I should. I think you should. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's thick, expensive. I would not recommend this device to normal people, but it's a very exciting glimpse of the future. I think Mike told me this a couple of weeks ago. It kind of feels like big phones a few years ago before Apple got into big phones, right? Yeah. And you could tell, oh, yeah, this thing. That this is gonna be it. This is gonna be the future. This is what Samsung does. Yeah. This is their whole thing. Like, yeah, they push the technology forward. And I mean, the UI is pretty atrocious, right? The the way that like I really don't think Samsung has got any style oh, when it man. comes to you're the- so funny to me. This, what they're using now, One UI, it's like a it's like a breath of fresh air compared to what they've come from. So it's so oh, really? funny to me to hear you say you don't like it. Like it is so much better than it has. Oh, been. it used to be worse. Oh, so much worse. Really? So much worse. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, um, well, I'm thankful. I'm I'm trying it <laughs> now. Then. Um, but yeah, look, I, I all of this to say really. This doesn't mean I'm switching to Android. It just means I'm an adult and I'm open to trying different things, which I I wish more people in our industry tried sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's exciting and it's fun. 
This episode of Connected is brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have a big idea for a business or a project, where do you go? Well, it starts with a domain name, and Hover is the place to go. They have over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for you. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free Who is privacy, so the bad guys can't get your information, clean UX and UI all throughout their product, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. All of my domains have been at Hover for a really long time, and one of those is, of course, 512pixels.net, the blog that I've written now for almost 13 years. And uh, it wasn't the original name, but when it was time to change the name a few years in, I went to Hover and found a new domain, and uh, I've just spent a lot of time redesigning the site, and it just made me nostalgic about those early days, and Hover was there with me in those early days. We know you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box. So I know you'll appreciate Hover. Their UX and UI really is simple and clean. It's all easy to navigate. So buy your domain and start using it today at hover.com connected, and you'll get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time, hover.com connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of the show and Relay FM. Yes, you have heard everybody speak about it by now. And yes, we're going to speak about it too. 1Password 8. Uh, there has been a developer, like kind of like a beta preview version of 1Password 8 that was released over the last few days. Uh, the big headline feature, I mean, there's a bunch of things that are changing, but the big thing that's grabbing all the headlines is that Agile Bits is moving to Electron for their applications. Um, I don't think we need to rehash the whole thing. I gave more of a, like, if 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 you don't know what any of that means, on uh, Upgrade 366, I kind of went into it a bit more detail. I think we'll just assume for the sake of this conversation that people maybe have a bit of familiarity about what all this means. I kind of am intrigued from the two of you to, uh, maybe before we talk about 1Password specifically, how do you feel about Electron? I've kind of changed my 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 thoughts and feelings about that over the years. It's complicated because I feel like it's one of those things where you cannot just um, there isn't just a single truth. It's not a it's not a simple argument. But I feel like a lot of people tend to think about this in a pseudo religious way. Almost as if, you know, anything that is not AppKit or UIKit or SwiftUI is inherently bad. And I just feel like it's not that. I think it, it comes down to a to a case-by-case basis. Um, I understand how on Apple platforms specifically, there is this common, quite, you know, shared belief in the superiority of native UI frameworks and toolkits, right? Mm -hmm. It comes down to the history of the Mac and really the, if you will, the boutique nature 
of some apps for Mac, which is also reinforced, right, by the company itself, the company that makes the computer also awards developers of apps that make software for the computer by giving them a physical trophy if they use <laughs> native UI Oh tools. my God, that's so funny. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a sort of a, it's a, it's a cycle that reinforces itself on an annual basis because those trophies are handed out every year. And so I, I think it's sort of a, it, it's, it's built into the platform itself to reinforce that belief. But I also feel like in 2021, there isn't just one right way to make software, mm -hmm. right? Because not all companies are boutique companies. Not all companies need to be small indie shops some companies, they want to reach as many users as possible. Some companies, they want to make sure that their software can be installed on multiple platforms. And I think it's only natural, if you want to do that, to use something like Electron. Because we as a, you know, like it or not, we as a species, we haven't come up with a single programming language and UI language that is shared by all major vendors, right? In an ideal world, you would write an app in a native language and Windows, macOS, and Linux computers would be optimized for it. Yeah, that's that's the that's the dream, right? So many companies, that's the dream. Apple are trying to make this dream. Like it is worth noting, right? Like they spoke about the like Agile Bits wanted to try and use Swift UI for the Mac app, like they are for their iPhone app, which I do think might be a little early for Swift UI on the iPhone app as well. But you know, yeah. you do you guys. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't make it work on the Mac, or they would have, and then this is the next option for them because yeah. Yeah. they don't want to develop for every platform. So ideally, that would be the case, but it's you know, it it's not possible, and. The, the the common denominator that we as humans have come up with is web language. And, and, and so tools like Electron, I think they make sense for those kinds of companies. And now I also understand, now you see why this is a complicated discussion, because I also understand that certain Electron apps, when you run those on an Apple platform, really any platform, they don't have great performance. And that is true. Some of them are not good enough. Some of them, honestly, suck. But that is the trade-off you got to be willing to accept. Do you want to use software that is available on, every, on any kind of computer you want to use? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to use something that is more specific to your platform? Mm -hmm. And I've reached the point where I mean, I've been doing Mac stories for 12 years. I would have never imagined years ago, if you asked me, that my text editor one day would have been an Electron app because hmm. that's what Obsidian is. And I chose to use it because in return for certain, you know, in exchange, I guess, for some weird behaviors and non-native UI, what I get 
is a rich ecosystem of third-party plugins, people making cool stuff for it because it's not available on just one platform. And now, so before we talk about one password specifically, I feel like that's how that's where I stand on Electron. I don't think it's the devil. I don't think. I don't think you have to you have to give up. I don't think you you should lose your Apple street cred if you say Electron is good for some apps. I don't, I think it's fine. I think it comes down to the kind of software that you want to use. What does it say about Apple and SwiftUI that a company like Agile Bits was not able to make a native version of 1Password 8. That's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think Electron has a place for some kinds of apps. And honestly, I wish that people were less religious about it, especially in the Apple community. I want to jump on this grenade with you for a minute. Listener, I'm not talking about you, of course. I'm talking about other people. I think Electron is bad is something that some people have said, and it has just been taken as a belief like universally, that Electron is bad, even if people can't necessarily point at exactly why they think it's bad. They just heard it was enough times that it was said. What is that? There's like a a thing about this, right? Like if you say something uh, loud enough and often enough, it becomes truth or something like that. I think think this might be one of those things. Like um, there are bad apps made in Electron, good apps made in Electron. I don't think it makes a difference. Like there are bad apps made in uh, AppKit. Like I use a bunch of them that they're ugly, <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's just, it just is what it is uh, and what developers make of it. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I could say like Electron apps are bad. Like it's just, they are what they are. You know what also like Electron apps are also as Federico was saying, really extensible and really interesting and well supported. And if they didn't exist, you wouldn't have a bunch of apps, right? Like you just yep. wouldn't, yeah. like a bunch of companies yep. just wouldn't give you a Mac version. Cause you know why? In the overall computing landscape, the Mac is probably the Tiny. smallest. Yeah. Like, Less than the iPad, probably, maybe, I don't know. But definitely less than the iPhone, definitely less than Android, definitely less than PC. And so it's a case of, like, maybe Electron app you don't like, no app. Yeah. You choose. Not not having Slack is worse. And this is not, like, I'm not, we're not coming out here to be, like, time to defend Agile bits. Like, the thing for me here is, like, the writing was on the wall here when they took that VC money, right? And I think a lot of us had to make a decision then of, like, will we continue to follow 1Password into this path that they're taking? Because they very clearly signaled to everyone that they were becoming a different company. It started with subscriptions and then moved on from there. And, this is like, so I kind of am starting to feel like 1Password, like I feel like Dropbox and Slack. Hey, this is a big company that doesn't necessarily want my individual business, but they'll take it. Like, it, And that is very different to what I used to think about 1Password before. And so when they did this, I didn't think they were going to do it, but I also wasn't surprised. Yeah. The same as like this, this next version is going to turn off basically any way to use the app other than a subscription. I didn't think they were going to do it, but I'm not surprised. And like, yeah. and I think that it's frustrating. And I'm sure I can imagine for a lot of people, like it, this kind of thing is frustrating. But I'm also kind of like, it seemed like to me the writing was on the wall. You can still choose to be upset about it, but you can't <laughs> be surprised by it. 
I thought that was already the case, honestly, <laughs> that you could only use it. Yeah, with I mean, because you know, we we all moved to them a while ago yep. for like, good reasons, like because the business account stuff is so good and the shared family yep. stuff mm-hmm. is so good. So like, we all moved to that. And yeah. you know, I said this on upgrade, and I'll repeat it here. Like, I use so many applications by choice that are not native Mac apps, right? Like, or that yeah. don't look like native Mac apps because I want the services that they provide. And what Federico was just saying about cross-platform, I care about that more. Like, that's what I care about more. I think that the families and business and small business stuff does show that AgileBit still wants like individual people to be using their thing. Like I the just family mean thing like, in particular um, is really good. I think it moves that way of like um, over time, right? Like you can get an individual and team and family Dropbox, but really what they want is to get the enterprise and that's what one Agile Bits wants as well. Yeah, and they've said as much. They'll I mean, take my business and they'll support it and they'll be happy. What they really want is those 10,000 seat licenses. Right, and they have, have said as much. So it's not mm-hmm. us uh, reading into that. Uh, the, the other thing I'd, I would just bring up with the uh, the Electron thing, and Mike, you touched on it, is that it is how we have a lot of software on the Mac. And it's hard to know what would happen or what is happening, depending on what you believe, in alternate timelines where maybe Electron wasn't a thing. Would Would that have made Apple bring something like Catalyst to the front more quickly, where you could bring iOS software uh, iPad software in particular over to Mac OS, you know, Apple's whole strategy there is really messy. And I think it's confusing to know what to pick if you're writing a new Mac app, but these companies that are really making services wrapped in applications, Electron is the obvious winner because the Mac is just small. Now, if it was a single, if it truly was the single checkbox that Apple said it was to make a good catalyst app, maybe that would be different. But it's hard to it's hard to know what that would be, and so this is the situation that we're in. And Electron certainly isn't perfect, and certainly there are some terrible versions of it. And certainly, I think the best Electron apps aren't as nice to use as apps that are using more native UI frameworks. But like we said, if this is how it goes, then then mm. it, it's really on Apple to make this decision less enticing to companies mm-hmm. and we can talk about that but I, I think that that ultimately yes agilebits made this decision and yes reading their blog post about it like it seemed like their development was really mismanaged for a long time some mm-hmm. wacky stuff about how one version of one password would get a feature and another team working on another <laughs> version of one password would find out about it in the blog post like yeah, that is that's terrible that's really bad uh, and so hopefully in this, they're also looking at how they develop their software because whoever's job it was to do that didn't do a good job. Well, maybe the way you fix it is unified platforms. So now anyone's yeah. feature just gets added in. <laughs> I thought about it this morning and prep for the show. Like they, they, you know, a lot of people work there. Uh, I hope that the, the team that was doing app kit development, like I hope they're okay. Like, <laughs> No. They because they mentioned they brought in a lot of Rust developers because they're using Rust for the back end, and I don't know enough about that to make a comment. But it's like, oh, I know at one point you had a whole bunch of people working in AppKit, and I hope that they got repurposed and weren't let go because <laughs> that would be really that would be a real bummer of a thing uh, to have mm-hmm. happen. See, so you mentioned Catalyst a moment ago, which just made me think yeah. of something. I would like to issue a personal challenge to Agile Bits. 
Considering you're a subscription product and it doesn't matter where I give you my money, just if, make the iPad app available on the Mac. Hmm. Let That's me a fun let, one. let me just just keep just check the checkbox. And if I would prefer to use something that would more better run potentially than Electron, as people might say or not, let me do that. Like it doesn't matter to you what app I use. I'm giving you my money either way because it's a subscription product. So let me see what the iPad hmm. app will be like on an M1 Mac. Hmm. Hmm. Two more things I want to say quickly. Uh, first one is, I think a lot of people I've seen on Twitter complaining about 1Password 8 and Electron have not actually tried 1Password 8. Um, look, 1Password 7 wasn't perfect. I think a lot of people come from the assumption that 1Password 7, because it was native, that it was perfect. It really wasn't. 1Password has had these weird UI glitches and odd behaviors, at least for me, for quite some time. Mm. Um, 1Password 8, I put it on my Mac, on my Mac, on my Intel Mac Mini. Look, it's honestly fine. Like, it, it, uh, I've basically exchanged one weirdness for another. It, I don't really see what the big deal is. Performance in Activity Monitor with this first beta seems okay. Um, the new design is quite nice. There's, you know, some new colors, some new sections in the sidebar. I'm pretty sure that, you know, I would say 70% of the people who are complaining about this have just seen the word Electron and they fired off some tweets without actually testing the thing. It's like seeing the word subscription. Yes. And the second thing is, I think the problem with a lot of people on Twitter in our little community is the struggling to accept, and this is sort of like the, you know, um, now it's become impossible not to see this, but struggling to accept that Agile Bits is not that kind of small boutique, as I mentioned before, indie company that it used to be. I think a lot of people were still thinking of Agile Beats as that sort of small boutique indie shop. And it's not just that anymore, right? It's not just that kind of company anymore. And maybe a lot of folks were just pretending to ignore this over the past few years. Uh, yeah, they're doing subscriptions. Oh, they got some VC money. Oh, the team is so much bigger now. But they were still thinking of Agile Bits as that kind of company making the native Mac app and then the iPhone app and then on the iPad mm. and then the Apple Watch. And they maybe ignored all the signs that you mentioned, Mike. And now it's become impossible to ignore those signs. This is a service. This is a software as a service company. It's it's a company going after the enterprise customer. And I think it's that change, that change that really was not that sudden, but a lot of people seem to realize it now. That this is a company like Slack is a company like oh, Dropbox. Uh, or Dropbox, Dropbox did this or... exact same thing. Well, Slack and Dropbox, they both did this, right? Like the exact same thing that Agile Bits has done. Here's this cool tool for Mac-focused people. Yeah. And then it grows, explodes, goes Electron, moves on. I don't know what yep. Dropbox runs on, but it's surely something it's, weird. I think it is Electron. I think Slack always was Electron, but to your point, it was sort of Mac-centric in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of people feel maybe betrayed by that. To an extent, I don't know, it's kind, of, it's kind of strange, but it feels like they, you know, they used to believe in this product and now they feel like 
they have switched to the other side, which is a terrible mindset, honestly, but I think it, it may help explain all the criticism that we've seen. And so to sum up, I feel like we all need to relax a little. And I think on the computers that we use, there's a place for all kinds of apps. And it's not the UI framework that makes the quality of software. It's yeah. the software itself. Yeah, I, I will echo what you just said there a minute ago. Like, I haven't used this because I would never install a beta version of 1Password. Um, <laughs> that just seems like a bad scene. Uh, so I I think it's worth, like, I understand people's uh, initial upset. Like, I get it. Like, I understand why people are initially upset if, the, if they have had bad experiences with these types of apps in the past and they don't want it to go that way. Um, so I would just wait and see. Like, I know I've seen some of my friends, like, picking apart the application and saying, like, this thing doesn't work anymore, this thing doesn't work anymore if you remove this thing. And I get that. Like, you're worried, right? Like, you don't want uh, the features to be gone but it is a beta and we'll see how it goes through the process who knows maybe they'll pull an apple on us and just completely reverse it and go back to like carbon or something who knows they just keep going further and further back really <laughs> dig it deep into the operating system but here's the other thing realistically how much time do people spend in a one password app like come on <laughs> like how much time are you spending in the app like you just need it to do its thing as long as it can still do its things right like you you pull it into the web browser or the extension or whatever like it's kind of all that matters i don't know not here to defend one password by the way like i have no relationship with them like i'm not here to defend them uh but i just think like this is how i react with pretty much any of these applications mm -hmm. like what do you expect and i guess i should say they are a sponsor of mac power users but uh, that is not a real fm sponsorship so i'm right that is so staying absolved of my you are i'm not them. uh yeah. but yeah i mean I, I feel like we've been fair here and i while I, uh, I do disagree with the their approach here, like I said, I think they really had some serious development organization problems. I think saying Swift UI or bust was premature. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to see what the iPad and iOS app looks like because I don't know how you could build an app that complicated in Swift, Swift UI right now. And if they mm. do, like hats off to them i guess but you know a lot of that is also on apple like we said and i would love to know why catalyst wasn't seriously considered uh, i think what they've said so far publicly at least in the blog post i haven't read all the tweets because there's so many of them but i i would like to know that and if it was a matter of well that's still too many resources uh to you know have dedicated to the mac which is a, a small platform once was their only platform but now a small platform then like then just say it uh because i think that one thing this does is saying that it's catalyst or electron like that does say something about what they think about catalyst and i would like to know what that was mm. yeah good times pastor boy in the discord has raised an interest has raised an interesting point that it does run in the background kind of sometimes always but we'll see how that fares what one password? Mm-hmm. Because I said yeah, like that, how long much do you have the app open? Well, yeah, I mean it's a menu bar and stuff. But I think what you meant was how often are you in there dealing with things? The UI. In That's what I meant, right? Like you were right, uh, in, in, in which what is you a different mm -hmm. different thing, right? Yeah, mine's running on my computer twenty four seven, but I'm mm -hmm. only in there like changing something. I don't know, not not very much. 
Yeah, maybe that's the, just um, the rust in my computer, you know? That's, that's, that's hey, hey I wish I knew enough about rust to make a comment on that. I just don't. <laughs> I have no idea if it's good or bad or, like, I it mean, different. It like, Whatever. It's like, a thing. Mm, rust, uh, I don't like the, the name. The only other thing I would, I would, I want to touch on before we, before we close this out is people saying now, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to move to something else. <laughs> what, what is that that you're oh, going to move to? Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> have you, have you seen the other password managers? Have you tried them? Good, yeah. I mean, good luck. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all pretty bad. One password I can is tell by far you, the best one. There's some really interesting cross-platform options waiting for you. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So. Yep. Go have fun. But but really my what uh what I'm getting at is this is uh still a beta and I mean yeah Apple is coming in on the scene but Apple's not going to offer you everything you you you're used to if you are in one password if you're cross platform at all forget using iCloud keychain. Um, Incorrect. They do have a Windows version. They just now. put a Windows version, yeah. Yeah, but it's not on yeah. Android so you can't no. use it on your flippy phone. Mhm. I don't know. I just I, I find that sort of immediate response just pretty. I don't want to say immature, but I kind of want to no, say immature. It's like, the internet today, man. Like I know. now, I feel old saying it, but like the instant response, like that's that's what Twitter is. Yeah. It's like let's just have an instant response just to everything all the time. You know, you know the the Futurama meme with Bender. I'm gonna make my own password manager with native UI, and you know. I don't know what other things people want. Mm-hmm. You know the meme. You know, I you think know the so. one I'm referring yeah. to. Yes. I'm just going to write them down on sticky notes attached to my computer. Seems fine. What could yeah. go wrong? Or just do what Adobe what suggests. Just have one password. I think that's what they're saying. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. That's, that's yeah. a good way for security. Just one just one password everywhere. Like, uh, and you'll be fine. And if I make it password, it'll be easy to remember. Mm-hmm. All right, if you want to uh, find links to everything we spoke about, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 359. The first link in the show notes is to go donate to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We would love your support of that organization. stjude.org slash relay. That's right. You can uh, find us all online. Federico is the editor-in-chief of maxstories.net. I would just say keep an eye on Federico over the next week or so. Yeah, starting tomorrow. So starting tomorrow. Wait, are you doing something? Well, yes, I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> yes, yes, we are doing something. Yes. Federico's given has finally told me and Stephen what he's doing. This is not a joke. Like he's not been telling us. He's finally told us. It's really exciting. So you should keep yes. a lookout for Max uh, Max stories. Uh, you can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. And as soon as we hit the $20,000 mark on the St. Jude campaign, Mike and I will be on Twitch trying Flight Simulator again. Yep. Yep. This is one of the many things that we'll be doing. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. We'll tweet about it. I'm hoping that we can do it on Friday. So get your money in now. I'd love to do it on Friday. That'd be awesome. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week. They are Fitbod, Memberful, and Hover. And until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.